When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Album for the Day with John E. and Jay. As we fire up the second year of Album for the Day, we do a little pivot. Mm. We've been doing a different album every day uh, for a year. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's 360 <laughs> something of those for you if you want to go check those out. Yeah. Um, we're going to be focusing still on albums. But in the context of the people who are on the albums and the contributors who made the albums what they were. And I think that's really what breaks down the whole music scene of what we're doing here. It's just it really gets the backstory of who the people are creating the music that we've grown to love over the years. We found a bunch of new people that we get to talk about, which is exciting for me. People I didn't even know who were on some of the most fantastic albums ever played. And you know the music, and you've heard it, and... Now it's time to get to know the artists. Yeah. So we're going to start with a unbelievable contributor. Uh, you can call him a sideman if you want, but this guy... his it's middle, almost disrespectful. <laughs> I never heard his a nickname for him, but if I was to give him one, I'd call him Hal... The glue, Blaine. Hmm, I like that. Because, uh, man, 30,000 recordings. Plus. Plus. Uh, that And that's, I mean, the, a low estimate. Uh, I mean, it, it ranges from depending on who you talk to. But 35,000 sessions, over 6,000 singles, 150 U.S. top tens. Uh, 40 number one hits this dude played on and it's like he just and he and he beat the crap out of the drum too it was one of those things where he's not in that bonham status where it's like you can tell who it is playing the drums when you hear him but he has some of the most iconic licks of all time that's a fact um, I'm be my ba- to differ though. Be man. my baby. Yeah, be that- my baby's like his autograph. Oh man! And and, uh, and when that song starts, you get the I got the chills just thinking about that opening. Boom, 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 pow. Yeah, I mean that's just as rock solid as it gets. It's one of those like, and this is 1963, four. I want to say three. I uh, and and this is like changing the way the drums are played from this point forward i mean this is we're still in you know i want to hold your hand land before i want to hold your 64 so i mean this is the start of pop rock music and this guy's coming out with a whole new way of playing the drums making it a a a focal point rather than just keeping time well and what was interesting is you know Hal's big claim to fame is not only being a part of the Wrecking Crew Mm -hmm. was the name, but he actually came up with the name. And he came up with the name because all of these people started showing up to do these sessions 
and all these like stiff old people that had been doing it forever are like you know dressed in suits and stuff to go you know to the office if you will <laughs> and they're showing up in blue jeans and t-shirts and smoking cigarettes yep. and he overheard somebody saying oh man they're gonna wreck it all that's amazing it's i perfect. was like that's and they beautiful. did and they wrecked the charts for years indeed yeah. indeed and you know just just to know that like you know you were the outsider and you knew you had it and you know i remember that he they were talking about how he got into what he was doing and he kind of owed that to um getting in with gene krupa yeah and legendary playing in strip clubs drummer i love that they played strip clubs you know the only other time i've ever heard anybody actually like maybe it's just me and i don't get into those stories very much but the only (laughs) other time i remember anybody getting to refer to oh yeah man i remember playing in the strip club you know like it's no big thing was bob crane Wow. From Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Well, they had that movie that starred Greg Kinnear as him called Autofocus and had Willem Dafoe. Oh. And um, I, I wasn't even aware that Bob Crane played the drums. Wow. But he played the drums um, in a strip club. He learned something every day, as did Hal Blaine. Indeed. Yeah. Um, but the, 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 the some of, just just going through... Just a few. I mean, of the six thousand songs, I, it, I mean, it's it, it's really like um, they play. He played with everybody from Jan and Dean, where he played Surf City in nineteen sixty three. I get around from the Beach Boys in sixty four. Uh, Help me, Rhonda in sixty five with the Beach Boys. Uh, Mister Tambourine Man, the Bob Dylan song, but he played it with the Birds in sixty five. Uh, Monday, now, Monday. Wanna... From the Mamas and the and Papas in 66. all that Mamas and Papas stuff. Oh, yeah. The Simon and Garfunkel stuff, just piles of it. This one, this one I want to play a little piece of because I was like, you know, most people do not remember this song by this artist, but mm-hmm. this was the original. awesome and i know the bangles obviously had a much bigger hit with that Uh, oh yeah but you know that's the interesting thing man is some of those simon and garfunkel songs they never went anywhere they never even like made it on one of their records Mm -hmm. but somebody else was like dude i love that song i'm gonna do something with that and killed it yeah well and the the one of the things like when you just played that song it reminded me of, of how many genres this guy could play bro he played with he, john denver he played on thank god i'm a country boy and annie song which just even though it's the same artist, 75 those are and, polar yeah, opposite but songs he's, he's playing folk pop rock r&b he's playing i mean it's just like it, he's all over the place and it's just like, I mean, Cracklin' Rosie from Neil Diamond. Like, you got to be kidding me. Right, next it's to The uh, Boxer by yeah, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, but it's but he's also playing with The Fifth Dimension. Elvis Presley. You know, and it's just like... the uh, Jan and Dean. Yeah, yeah. The Supremes, The Association. 
You know, I mean, it's just, it's like this never ending list of people. I mean, think about what his parties must have been like. Like, uh, and you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I think this is a great time to point out that, you know, this man literally played on more recordings than I would say, you know, your top 10 favorite bands combined. Oh, is yeah. that fair to say? Favorite. Yes. And yes, every fair. single member of all of those 10 favorite bands probably died before the age of 90 which is when Hal Blaine passed away, mm-hmm. that man squeezed a crap load of living yeah. in, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really unbelievable just to think that he was involved. If he was in a session a day, one session a day, we're starting to talk like Wilt Chamberlain numbers. We are. We are. He would, he would go I'm trying for, to figure out if this is actually feasible, man. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like this right here. I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. What condition, my condition. and the drums make that. The drums make it. Yeah. If he was, if he did. A, one recording a day, he'd record for 95 years. So we're probably talking a good dozen. Well, you know, and that's the whole thing about the Wrecking Crew that, yeah. that they were talking about was, and the reason that they played on recordings of people that, you know, I'll just, I'll just bite it. I'll just take it right now, man. I think we all just thought, you know, the Beach Boys played on that or oh, Jan yeah. and Dean played on that or, you know, whoever. Uh, they got the best of the best. To- well, but the reason was, yes, those people wrote those songs and they're fantastic musicians. But for this reason or that, their perfectionism, their inexperience, their this, that, the other, they could be in there for several days on one cut. Meanwhile... The Wrecking Crew could sit there and knock it out in one or two days. Yeah. And, you know, that's just when you're talking about how much it costs to be in a studio, when it costs all that money and all that tape on stuff you haven't made a penny off of. Yeah. You know, yeah, whatever you can mitigate, I guess you're going to want to go that direction. So that's why, um, you know, because well, these guys were pros, man. But yeah, but you're, you're also getting craftsmen, mm-hmm. people who were so dedicated to their craft that were the elite of the elite. We're and talking the stuff that we're not they're contributing. One percent. We're talking the point oh 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 one percent of players is who we're talking about here, and and he was the drummer of that era. I mean. You think about the Wrecking Crew, they were, I mean, their their most popular and their most successful period was probably like 1963 to 1971. And that's when like John Bonham and all those guys started coming out and absolutely just turning, you know, you got Sabbath, all the hard rock, you know, that's when that started. And it's like, like, And whoa. honestly, man, like, Honestly, really think about it. That whole musical movement was as a rebellion to Hal Blaine. Absolutely. And all of that. It was like, you are limiting 
yeah. which is stupid. Yeah. And we're pointing that out right now, that it's stupid to say that Hal Blaine was limiting anything. Oh, He's yeah. playing everything from country to lounge. Can you imagine to, Hal Blaine playing like with Sabbath or something? Yeah. That'd be freaking wild. He played with Steely Dan. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He, and, I mean, there's there's almost a direct link to any band that you name as to like, you could play like instead of the Kevin Bacon game, seven, what is it? Seven, seven six degrees six of Kevin degrees Bacon. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Six I have degrees, the board game of six that. Six degrees of Hal Blaine. <laughs> I'll just cut out some pieces that say Hal Blaine yeah. and just stick them on the See board. See what happens. Oh, man. But I've got to say, and... You know, these guys are just professionals in every sense of the word. And when you think about how difficult recording was in the early days, how you were literally using tape, Mm -hmm. how you were splicing actual tape, Mm -hmm. how you were going back and re-recording over tape additional stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Super complicated. And, you know, he's, he's drumming for the Fifth Dimensions recordings and it's very arguable that Aquarius let the sunshine in mm-hmm. is their most known listen to I don't, I don't think that's arguable I think that's a fact I, I can't think of anything that could possibly top yeah. it yeah um, but the interesting thing is you know when you've got somebody that has a song that transitions to another song that's the key word is transitions mm-hmm. and you know, everybody uses studio magic. They change pitch on vocals. They change pitch on instruments now yeah. just to make it more seamless and whatever. And when I'm thinking, well, where's the transition between Aquarius and Let the Sunshine In? And I'm like, did they just like dump that over? And so I asked my mom, who's a career musician, and they used to love, you know, the Fifth Dimension, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Chicago, all those very musical mm-hmm. um, kind of things. And they actually played, um, they did Aquarius Let the Sunshine In um, one time when she was in the opening uh, cast of I Hear America Singing at mm. Opryland USA. Ooh. And she said, no, there is no transition. It just goes right over. And I'm, I just... I keep listening to it, and I'm like, I don't even know what the heck you are besides an alien, Hal Blaine. So here it is. I just nailed it. It's just, I mean, it's a different time signature. It's yeah. a different feel. It's a whole different thing, and it's just like, slam on the brakes. Hit the gas, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can feel the energy shift because of what he does. Absolutely. You can feel like the pulse of the band, like that he's just the driving force behind it. And that's why I called him How the Glue Blank. <laughs> he's glued. He's just, it, it he's pasting it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings up an interesting the old glue story. Man. So the old glue man was working so much that um, he decided to have a little fun with it. So mm-hmm. he went and got a rubber stamp. Oh, yeah. This is that uh, says, Hal Blaine strikes again. Yep. And he literally took the rubber stamp with him everywhere he went, and he would stamp every drum booth he played in. 
Which is a lot of them. Like he was a dog marking his territory. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of Blaine territory. And, I mean, they were talking to, like, younger musicians who did something far later, but in the same in the same places. And they said rubber stamps still exist out there. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, but you, I mean, you got to think that he's been in doing doing that since the 1960s. In, I mean, and probably the most prolific drummer of all time, playing with different genres of music uh, from the Beach Boys to Tanya Tucker. I mean, the Ronettes, Wayne Newton, uh, Wayne Newton, Mel Torme. Uh, you know, it's just like it's 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 just it's wild. This one was another one of my favorites, and I've always enjoyed this song, and I was so excited to hear that he was a part of it. So good. That's so simple but and so effective, good. man. Mm-hmm. I can't help but feel like because of the time proximity that that Ringo Hell must yeah. have been influenced oh, by Hal Blaine. He was listening to that guy going, man, all I got to do is keep the beat. That's all I got to do, man. Yep. Keep the beat. Don't overcomplicate it. And if there's anything I've ever accused Ringo Starr of... Mm. It is not overcomplicating things. Well, that's what made the Beatles. Exactly. That's why he was the, in, in my opinion, I mean, you, it's hard to take anyone out of the Beatles. And you can't take Ringo because he was, if you put in John Bonham in the Beatles, it doesn't work. No. If you, you can't put, put in, Keith Moon in you there. Put, yeah, you can't put somebody who's wild and whatever. Hal Blaine, maybe. I think he'd have been able to read the room, but I don't think he'd have had the creative fills that Ringo had. Agreed. Um, and and I don't know. See, that's the thing is we didn't get to experience because he was more of a behind the scenes kind of mm-hmm. dude. Like, you know, we don't know much about like his personality with yeah. the musicians and stuff. But I think Other that than what they've said, come out and said, which apparently he's brilliant. Yeah, he's they, inspiring. Yeah. He changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. That's all they ever say. Yeah. But, you know, I think that it's obvious that he was at least a very amicable kind of guy. Yeah. And, you know, you can't be creative with people if you don't get along. Absolutely. And, so, and you can't do work with that many musicians of that many different styles if you're a an asshole basically yeah because nobody's gonna if you're if you go in the studio and you think you're the hot shot nobody's gonna want to work with you and no. when you have six thousand singles with that many diverse people you know that you're not only talented but you're you know you're you're able to work with people to find their creative their creative outlet to find what the artist wants and not just put yourself in that role exactly and i think that you know, Hal is a great example of, you know, I, I understand that you're a great musician. I need to know that you're creatively flexible mm-hmm. as well as, you know, if I need you to lead yep. somewhere that you can. Yeah. And there's repeated stories where, you know, people would come in the studio and, you know, they were just getting guided, guided, guided by the wrecking crew. And 
this is a great example of how, you know, without, without the bottom line, really, Mm -hmm. um, none of that stuff would have happened. So here's to how freaking Blaine, how Blaine, well, album for the day, I guess technically it's not an album. Um, but, but what we, what we're going to do in our little pivot, we're going to start talking about some artists, how Blaine, uh, being the first, um, I was really glad to get to, uh, learn about him, uh, because I didn't know much. Um, and it was really cool to get some backstory on him. Uh, but, uh, be sure to follow us, like subscribe wherever you listen to us. Um, and, uh, if you have any requests for artists you'd like to hear about, email us at, uh, album, the number four of the day at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at album, the number four of the day. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Love, love will keep us together. <laughs> Any kind of weather. (laughs) Nice. After starting the podcast, you can search for the album, use the three dots, and hit add to cue. Now the album will start as soon as the episode ends. Woohoo!